0: Welcome back, y'all, to the show. This is the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where I touch on all things. Nothing is off the table. Covering all the whatever you got, I'm ready to talk about. And today, I'm going into detail about Ecuador, my first experiences, and how I feel about the country. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the podcast. And if you're working out, push hard. Today, I'm going into detail about Ecuador, some key concepts. You know, I asked my wife to be married here, I've spent some time here. So, yeah, so today's all about me talking about that. Miguel mundo. buenos días como estás welcome back to the Zachary Wingue podcast and today I really want to talk a little bit about where I'm currently located which is Ecuador Ecuador in itself is a very beautiful country I have seen not all of it but some of it and I can honestly say the first time I came here I was really just pleasantly surprised. I remember getting out of the airport, driving on the roads, and seeing how clean it truly was. And For me, I have, where I've lived in the world has always not been the cleanest, or where I've been. I spent some time in China, spent two years in Northern China, and whenever you live in Northern China, it's just a whole different experience within itself. Um, I also spent time in El Salvador, and El Salvador in itself is just completely different. Um, Now being in other parts and other countries, you know, I really have grown to appreciate what Ecuador as well as Quito has to offer. So today I just wanted to give an overview of kind of where it all started. So for me... Essentially, my first trip to Ecuador was one of some stress and anxiety. I wanted to ask Natalie uh, to marry me. And for me, it was the first time I've ever done it. And I really wanted it to be special. As an engagement, you know, you can go both ways. You can do the classical or you can do surprising. Now, in itself to work up to the point of even getting things ready I had to really put together a really nice ring which my sister helped me and the original stone came from Sri Lanka and then we had a phenomenal jeweler Washington Diamond put together one of the most phenomenal rings I've ever seen in my life so in itself the ring was a -a one-of-a-kind ring and I was truly proud of it because of all the time and effort it took to make it and you know whenever I asked Natalie to marry me, I really wanted to make sure it was for life. I didn't want to have other wives or anything, so I really wanted to be special. So for me at the first part, putting the ring together was quite an experience in itself. Thank you, um, Jessica, for all your help on that one. It was truly magnificent. And then I had to come up with the next aspect of the engagement, which is asking the parents. Now, for me, um, Natalie has phenomenal parents. Lola and her father, Eddie, um, have been nothing but kind and gracious to me. So whenever I asked them for Natalie's hand in marriage, I originally told them, you know, I wanted to ask her to marry me in Ecuador. Now, with that being said, you know, there was a lot of logistic things going on and a lot of moving parts and things coming in and out of my life, too to where I could use, and and essentially, you know, putting together the engagement, I had to come up with a surprise, and kind of, I really wanted to think through it, um, I was going to ask Natalie on her birthday to marry me, which in itself is a little bit of an interesting experience, um, I would suggest if your wife is really into her birthday, then just thinking of maybe just just, just follow throughing on that but it all worked out really well so for me originally putting together the engagement talking with Lola talking with Eddie I had an idea and the idea was I can reach out to Natalie's cousin Danielle who lives in Ecuador and you know she's phenomenal she speaks three languages um, and I could ask her to help me so I had I had met her before and I and I talked to her on WhatsApp and I wanted to create a surprise. So Danny has a magazine, and originally the idea was that um, she would do kind of an interview with Natalie and we'd bring in a photographer and take pictures and kind of surprise Natalie through the engagement process. Now the engagement was with not out its hinges. The first thing is, unfortunately, you know, I Lola had known and Lola was holding the ring. And throughout this process, if with certain countries, depending on your passport, may not let you in if your passport's about to expire. So Lola's passport was going to expire within, and Lola was Natalie's mom, within about like five months. So they wouldn't let her in. So for me, it was a very kind of um, interesting moment where, Lola was holding the ring. Lola couldn't go to Ecuador because they wouldn't let her in, which was really tragic. And she had to hand off the ring to me. And it was really uncomfortable, all the little moving pieces to do it. But she was able to hand the ring off to me. And we went from there. So essentially it was kind of creating this really good moment. Natalie really wasn't aware. I'm sure there was parts of her that thought it was. But... From there, you know, we kind of hopped on the plane, went to Ecuador, and kind of was going to be here for about five or six days, and I started to create kind of what it was. So planning everything out with Danny, you know, we went to this amazing kind of like beer garden yard, and they started taking pictures of her, and I came out with the ring, and I asked her to marry me in that moment. And obviously she said yes, but it was just such a prolific moment. You know, I don't know what it is about life has these moments. And, you know, for me, feeling a lot of emotion sometimes isn't always as as easy. But in the engagement process, I really felt a lot of emotion. And then whenever we got married and our families came together um, later on, we had the reception. It was quite a... Magical experience, you know, like the bringing of two families together. And I think sometimes within marriage, there's just so many beautiful moments like that to where you can truly connect with somebody and have, you know, this story and this journey. And, you know, for me, that's probably one of the more magical moments. And from there, you know, I was hooked on Ecuador because everything worked out really well. Natalie's family is always just incredible and i've been there, really enjoyed a lot of different experiences um so the first initial experience of ecuador was great now what's really interesting about ecuador if you think about the food is they have soup with every meal and it like at first it was just really caught me off guard because in america like the united states whenever we have soup it's like when we're sick or if it's cold outside but if it's hot outside you know you have for lunch, you'll have a soup, and then you'll have a main course, and that's how they eat everything, and it really was kind of like eye-opening with the food. And another interesting part, in which I am not tried, in Ecuador, they eat what is known as kui, and kui is actually guinea pig, and it's a delicacy within the mountains. Now, whenever you like look up or understand a little bit more about Ecuador, it's really ethnically diverse. You have a lot of different groups here. Obviously, you have European, mostly with Spanish influence with the conquistadors that originally came in. Second, you have African. But what's so interesting about Ecuador is there's never a large slave population. So the majority of Africans, African Latinos now live in Esmeralda, which is close to the beach. And there's two different things that happened during the time for the Africans to come to Ecuador. The first one, there's actually shipwreck, as myth goes, and a lot of the slaves swam to El Zemeralda and lived on the beach, and that's where they've been thus far. And then the Colombians brought in a few slaves um, to harvest sugarcane. But the majority of the slave trade is more on the eastern side of South America. So here in Ecuador, there's, there wasn't as much, but there's still an African population. Then you have the Mestizos, which is kind of like a combination of the indigenous Latin or the indigenous Spanish and potentially African or Afro-Latina. And then you have the indigenous. And the indigenous population is Quechua. And within in Ecuador, too, it's just really interesting how the indigenous population has so much strength. It's, it's molded into the language. You have words like Chuchaki, which means hangover, Wawa, which means kid. And these aren't Spanish words. You have chompa, which means jacket. You know, you have achachai, which means cold. You have these 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 words that are used within the Spanish, and it's very Ecuadorian. And then within all of that, within Ecuador, you have kind of the histories going back to Susan um, Bolivar. I can't remember his name. The Conquistador. But... Within Ecuador, what makes it so interesting too is you have the cacao, which is a really big part, which eventually chocolate came from, you know, and they also have ayahuasca here, which is a really big part of Ecuadorian culture within the shamanism, tying into the indigenous people. But whenever you look at Quito at the capital of Ecuador, it is really tall. It's about. Um, And the weather here is like it's like almost like perfect because Ecuador in itself means equator. So it's in the middle of the world, um, which is the center of the world here. So if you put an egg in the middle of the world because the gravitational pull, it can actually stand up straight. But the weather changes. here. I mean, you can wake up in the morning and it could be 40 degrees, 70 degrees, sunny, rainy. You never know what you're going to get. But the weather's perfect. Like in the house. There's no heating or air conditioning, and it's like the perfect temperature year round. And growing up in Arkansas in the South, it's like I don't ever know. It's like it's kind of crazy to me. But other than that, too, this is like the first company, the first company, the first country I have driven in. And driving in another country, well, I guess I drove in China some, but driving here is really interesting as well. You know, the first time we drove, you know, I was actually going with Natalie's family to the beach, they asked me if they go to the beach, said sure, and long story short, I was driving um, standard car, just driving stick, through the mountains of Ecuador, and I haven't drove stick in 18 years, and it worked out well, because I think I grew up in Arkansas, and I know how to drive on the mountains, but driving here was just insane, so you just have to be really aware of what you're doing, and there's no four-lane roads, not as much, most of them are two-lane. So you're driving through these mountains, and it's raining like cats and dogs, and you're passing, and you're watching potholes, and there's random speed bumps. So it's like you just have to be really aware whenever you drive. And probably one of the more memorable things I've done thus far, besides asking my wife to marry me in Ecuador, is climbing Pichincha. So in itself, Pichincha is a mountain that overlooks Quito, and it's about you know, 15,000 feet. Um, and what's really interesting about kind of the mountains here is what some of the Ecuadorians are telling me is that well the people took me hiking um was that you know the the thing about Ecuador that's so unique is you can climb a really tall mountain and then at the same time at that night be in the city so throughout South America, there's not really like a place to where you can see multiple mountains now, what's really interesting about the mountains in Ecuador. You Cotopaxi, which I plan on climbing in September, and it's about 19 to 20,000 feet. I'm really looking forward to it. The next is Chimbrazo, and Chimbrazo is the closest mountain to the sun. All right, I'm going to say that again. Chimbrazo is the closest mountain to the sun because of where it is on the equator and because it's about 20,000 feet. So it's closer to the sun in the atmosphere than even Mount Everest. So when I heard that, it kind of threw me for a loop. But these mountains have snow on them year-round. And living in Colorado, it's like I'm used to seeing really big mountains, but the mountains here are just breathtaking. And a lot of them are volcanoes. But in climbing Bichicha, it was really a activity because we took up the teleférico, which is the chairlift, all the way up at 12,000 feet, and we just had these beautiful views, just amazing weather, and you see Quito. And Quito in itself is just such a unique city because it's placed in the mountains and when it's rainy or foggy like it just there's just such a beautiful um, it's just so beautiful because of how much rain it gets here and it's really green and going up that mountain you know it's really interesting because at first you know I thought oh I've climbed mountains but what made Pachincha so interesting is the trails aren't as clear as they are in the United States and I think I'm just spoiled. So going up in these trails, I really was hiking up the mountain with the expectations that, okay, I'll see some switchbacks whenever we get up there. It won't be too difficult because of it. But I was so wrong. So essentially, when you're climbing up Pichincha, what is going on is that a lot of the trail is actually created from water runoff. So whenever you're climbing up it, it's really, really muddy. And before we got up there, Diego told me, he's like, yeah, when we get to the top of Pichincha, we usually run down it. And I was like, I thought he was joking with me. But here's the deal. Whenever you get to the top of Pichincha and you see the beautiful overlook of Quito and all of that, the trail down is you do run down it. It's just like this soft dirt that everybody runs down after they get to the top. So here I am. Like, I had quite the experience, okay? It said I burned 2,000 calories, Luckily like I'm I'm in shape enough to do it but it wasn't anything that was like oh that was super easy it was like it was a little bit physical demanding But here we are running down this mountain in Pichincha and I just was just so surprised at how that's what they do here So the hiking in itself to me compared to the America compared to the United States shows, is it's a little bit more tricky it's a little bit more complicated and there's a little bit more bushwhacking going on but I definitely want to climb some more mountains here and see it. I'm hoping to climb Cotabaxi within September and go from there. But, you know, I mean, all in all, I think Ecuador is a great country. I think it has a lot of offer. It's it's safe. The people here are really friendly. And Spanish, you say muy amable. Um, you know, and, and all the experiences here have been really great. Um, and that's it. Thank you all. Listen, that is the show for today. Episode 11 in the books. Let's go this week. We got a lot of fun stuff planned, bringing on some guests. So stay tuned.